0: Welcome Barry, it's so nice to see you and thank you for agreeing to uh, take part in uh, one of our CEFA conversations. Um, We we all know you as the sort of the big expert on assessment in this area and um, and indeed all your assessment and testing background for many many years at this stage, not that many years of course, I know you're still very involved but um, um you've published extensively and uh and indeed developed some the aptis i think was was that the most recent test that you've developed
1: um it's the most recent large scale test yeah i had i've done others since then quite a few
0: all right goodness me (laughs) okay so um just um as you know, this is, uh, this is part of a series of, uh, dis- of conversations. So I'm just gonna kick off by asking you how you think the CEFA has changed the way language assessment takes place since it was published in uh, 2001.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question because if you think about it, if you actually look back at that 2001 document, it clearly says it's for teaching and learning as well as assessment. It's, the the idea all along was that it would hit all areas of language learning and teaching and assessment, but really it was only seriously taken up by the language assessment community over the last two <coughs> decades. Sorry, this is a, a, a late reminder that um, if, I, if I had forgotten <laughs> to answer this, I would have been told get off the phone, <laughs> get off what you're doing um, I mean, to go back to where I was talking, uh, yeah, the, the language testing community really took on the CEFR in a big way. And partly, I think that was because the the, the testing world was growing, the testing industry was growing around the, the late 90s. And it this allowed the testing industry to, to develop its own language so we could talk to people who were creating tests in English in other countries or in other languages in other countries. And it gave us a very clear idea of where the levels might be. Well, I guess on top of that, in, in the language testing world, we'd, we've always been interested in standard setting in understanding what is the level at which a person can be deemed to be proficient. Um, what do they have to do to demonstrate it? And how can we estimate that in a, in a logical, and meaningful and defendable way. So, And that's the process of standard setting. So we'd always been interested in that idea. And suddenly the CEFR gave us a set of underlying standards, even though lots of people would argue it's not standards, they are frameworks, Mm. but let's forget about that argument. (laughs) But it, it did give us a de facto, we call them, a de facto set of standards that we could use, and I could talk to people about a test of Irish at B1, or a test of French at B1, or a test of English at B1. And it gave us a way of talking to each other, understanding what we were talking about, and also a mechanism by which, when, when you look at creating a cut point in a test, the standard setting, we have uh, the, the minimally acceptable person with the old measurement term. Which went out of fashion some years ago, but which I insist on using still just to wind up my <laughs> measurement friends because it shows you how far away from the reality of people measurement can be yes,
0: but right. the idea
1: is that you would you would if you were looking for a cut score for b1 you would say what is the minimally acceptable level to be right on that border if that person like was a tiny bit worse, they would be on a2 so what's the borderline person the minimally acceptable person I love it and it gave us a language by which we could understand, if I put a group of 15 people in a room together, we could actually understand what that level meant. So for the first time, really. So in that way, that the CEFR has been fantastically useful. And that, I think, is why it became so popular in assessment. And then, of course, once you start looking at the CEFR and you start thinking, this is based about, around an action-based approach to learning. And, and that comes out more now in the CV, the come in the... Right, the companion volume. volume. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm.
1: But it was actually there in the original as well, but it just wasn't highlighted as much. But, but when you think about that aspect of assessment, then the CEFR takes on yet another different role because you're thinking, if it's action-oriented, it's all about what you can do with the language. And then this whole concept of um your your multiple choice based test or your 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 very minimally uh language oriented or a language generating test becomes meaningless so if you look at testing around the world has has moved into what has always been a sort of a british european tradition of using the language rather than some sort of a proxy for measuring What your language might be and and when we look at those kind of measures they are proxies you know so those tests that are out in the world i suppose i shouldn't name them but if i if i talk on long enough i probably will but the tests out there in the world that are not really testing your ability to read a long text they're testing your ability to read a few words that's a proxy for your reading ability. it's not a real test so if you but if you look at testing in the states that was the way it was done for example Whereas you look now at a TOEFL test, for example, it looks like it could have been designed in Europe 20 years ago. Right. right. So it has, it, I think it's had a massive, massive influence on assessment of all kinds, whether it's summative or formative.
0: Right. That's so interesting. And yes, uh, I guess um, I'm old enough to remember you know, the pre-SEFA days. And it seems to yes. me, I mean, you know, it's, uh, it was really, it was a real game changer when it came out in 2001. And it was really an assessment that you saw that initial impact.
1: Yes.
0: Yeah. More than maybe uh, curriculum design or, or, um or materials, at least at the beginning. I, I know you're a founder member of, is it UK ALTA, the, the organization's name now?
1: yes. Yes, UCALTA.
0: UCALTA, OK.
1: Yeah, I I was the person who proposed it in the first place. We had a, a language testing forum, which is a conference that's been going on for oh, 40 years that. now. Yes. And we were at one of those down in, in Southampton in about 2015 or there. And I thought we had just had a, a research effectiveness framework, the REF, in the UK. And language testers were complaining that it was so difficult to get people to actually understand what we were doing. So I thought, well, if you can, if you can, beat them, join them. So I suggested that we'd started this association, and then we would get people onto the REF panels, and we would get people into the big organization, which is exactly what we did. So I sat on the REF Education uh, Impact panel last year and the year before. Thanks be to God, it's over now. It's a massive amount of work. But it was really interesting to see what people are doing. And and I really do think it gave us a voice in the UK that we could actually begin to talk to people at different levels. I got elected to the association of what is it? Um oh God. Social sciences, the Academy of Social Science.
0: Oh right, yes.
1: And 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 once I got in then I got a whole bunch of tests with people in as well so now we've got like four or five of us so we actually are now beginning to get a voice at these high tables and so i would be very keen at, in ireland at some stage people who are interested in assessment if whatever language it doesn't matter what language it is
0: no, uh, because absolutely. i think
1: we're all in that same boat and more and more i think we should be talking to people who are involved in assessment of other languages and uh, and people so teachers are at the, the forefront of this. Uh, they're, they're, they're teaching people and preparing people. But there's also people setting exams. So in many cases, we don't know to what extent they understand test theory or development theory, or are interested even in it. And, you know, I can confess, I was involved in inter um, intercert examining many, many, many years ago. And at the time, I have to confess, I hadn't a clue what I was doing. I was literally making it up as I went along. I hope I did a decent enough job, but I was making it up as I went along. And there's no need for that anymore. Forty years ago, that was something you had to do. It's not something you have to do now. So it's a different
0: world indeed indeed yes indeed absolutely I, n- I know one of the you know one of the issues that a lot of our academic managers um um sort of in the in certainly in the english language sector grapple with is aligning the learning outcomes to meaningful assessment would, would you have any yes. advice on how to do that or what they should how they should be approaching it well
1: I think, I think it was in 2003 and then a final version in 2009 of a handbook was published by Council of Europe, which was fantastically useful, especially the technical parts and the statistical parts. But it was fantastically useful if you really knew what you were doing. It was completely bloody useless, to be absolutely blunt with you, for people who were coming to it from no, not a non-assessment background. It was written by assessment experts, essentially, for assessment experts. And technically, it's brilliant. Some, um, some of the sections are still the best section that you will find anywhere. And it's a free publication. So what we did a few years back, we had a couple of events in Dublin, as it happened, and then we went on to London for a follow-up event. I think that was about 2017, 18, and 19. Right. And out of that, a group of us decided, well, uh, why don't we put our heads together and come up with a more user-friendly handbook for linking curricula, materials, uh, or assessments to the CEFR. And that's what we did. And that's now it's available on the British Council website, Alte website, UCALTA website all the organizations who were involved in it ealta as well so the four organizations kind of got together and basically it was neos Figueras from spain who's very well known in this area david little of course from ireland who is a genius on all things cefr the man knows everything (laughs) whenever you want a, a lecture on Instead of ancient Irish history, if you want ancient CFR history, go to David, he'll tell you everything. <laughs> Except he knows not only the ancient stuff, he knows the modern stuff as well. <laughs> so he was absolutely invaluable in that. He's also a great guy because some of us, we're all assessment people, and he's not really. And he just brought us all back down to earth. And you right, know, he'd right. read things and say, you might understand that, but the rest of the world don't. So that was really good. And, so, and myself, we, the three of us edited the handbook and i think i wrote two or three of the sections in it and jamie underneath the counselor who's absolutely brilliant on standard setting wrote the standard setting morning you know, we have there's, there's all these different sections on all of the various stages that you need to go through but they're explained in english so not in in testing language
0: Right, so, right so it's the it's, idea, it's designed to be accessible barry i understand that it is is that right
1: it is, yeah. And what we're doing now is uh, it, it came out, I guess, in March. So what we're doing now is we're, we're beginning to encourage people around the world to develop case studies of how they've used it and, and how they might suggest changes to it. So there, some people have already said, you know, the standard setting is great and it's really good, but it's still kind of technical. We still need some extra information. So we're looking at this isn't going to be a, a dead document. We're going to update it. Right. So, the plan, is, the plan is over the next couple of years to create these case studies in curricula, linking, aligning curricula, aligning uh, materials, and aligning assessment, not just assessment. So, right. the idea is that right. we show how it can be used across the board because it right. is subtly different. There's very there's clear similarities, of course, across how it's going to be used. Um, you'd still go through the stages but for curricula and for materials the emphasis is slightly different in different places I I would say yes yes to be honest none of this is rocket science it's all it's 99% common sense once you get your head around what you're trying to do if it generally and I always say this about assessment as well if it feels wrong it probably is you may not know why And you may not have the technical expertise to figure out why which are quite likely to be right Uh, so because it it is like all of these things it's a mix of sort of art and science if you like although measurement people will tell us it's more science than art but i don't believe it
0: (laughs) so you're really talking about assessment not in the ivory tower design room at the top but as part of the whole design of the curriculum, would, would it be fair to say that?
1: Oh yeah, if, for those who are interested, there's another publication on the British Council website called the Comprehensive Learning System, which I, I wrote myself. I've been bleating on about it for a couple of decades probably now, but mostly in the last decade. And this is where I always talk about my triangle with like the curriculum, the delivery, which is the teaching, Teacher training, teacher assessment, teacher professional development, materials development and physical makeup of the classroom, everything around the delivery of the curriculum. And the other side of the triangle then is assessment. They all have to be aligned. They all have to be built together. So if you're trying to to create a system or to change a system and you don't look at all three sides of that triangle, you're wasting your time. Yes, yes. I heard one person told me once there's a wonderful term. It's called a wombat a waste of money, brains and time. It's, <laughs> it's just not going to work.
0: <laughs> I'll definitely remember that now. Yeah. Thank you so much. And is <laughs> is that is is your comprehensive learning system is that in in the Sefer Alignment handbook that you've been talking about or is it a separate
1: Yeah. Th- no, because I think we all realized early on that the The concept of the CFR, the concept of this alignment of the the comprehensive learning system isn't a new one. It's just a bringing together of ideas that have been around for a long time, in sensible places and people who try to do things well. So it's not new, it's just bringing the ideas together so that people have have a basis, a triangle to to hang what they're doing on. That's what really counts. And uh, so what we've done is we've sort of walked we're trying to weave the two together to say, you know, you can have all of the alignment you like with the assessment. But if your curriculum isn't aligned, and if your materials aren't aligned, and if the way you train your teachers isn't aligned, and if your physical makeup of your classroom isn't aligned, it isn't going to work. And again, it isn't rocket science.
0: Yeah,
1: mm, it, it, it's all connected. So.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Just, just as a last question, Barry, if if for our for our um, program developers, academic managers, where where would you suggest that they start in this process?
1: In the process of aligning materials. That's or right.
0: Exactly.
1: I yes. think the first place I would start is I would go to that one of those websites, UCalta, ELTA, Alte, or British Council, download the handbook. With the handbook, it's, it's designed to be used. So each chapter comes with a series of tables that you will complete as you're doing the job. And those are, that's. so the main th- thing is a PDF. But the, the other, the downloadable forms are in Word format. So you can use them to your heart's content. And, and, and just look at what needs to be done and build a system that meets your own needs. And if you've got issues with it, then ask. There's plenty of people out there who are more than happy to help. And if you're going to do it and you're serious about doing it and doing a good job, think about writing it up as a case study. It's not, mm-hmm. a case study is not a, sort of a, a, an academic paper that's going to be judged by two or three re- uh, referees and then edited before it's published. The case study is a case study, so you tell us what you done, you tell us how you've done it, and what were the issues, what were the good bits, and what do you think were the bits? Right. Of
0: yes, yes, what you learned from it, so to speak. Mm-hmm.
1: People, other practitioners, to understand that to use. So that's what yes. I'd suggest is that you just go and do it right? and don't worry about it. You know, I was doing alignments. To the CEFR 15 to 20 years ago for various publishing companies and test publishing companies. And when I look at them now, I think, Mother of God, they're bloody primitive. <laughs> yes. But I was the only one doing it at the time. So everybody thought it was great. <laughs> so I only really thought it was great myself, to be honest. <laughs> but, um, and you know, you learn over the years, you learn how to do it, and you, you, you meet other people. Who you learn from um, and as i said you know we have people in the council like jamie dunley who's an, a, an australian with an irish passport a good lad <laughs> and he's brilliant at all this stuff and he has a, a, a mountain of knowledge in his head so you go to people like that you ask people questions and they you, you find a, an event where you can actually go and talk to people about it like are I, I, you encourage organizations like uh, QQI or the Department of Education to set up workshops with people who know what they're doing, real practical things where you can sit yes, around yes, and yes. sort of you know like alcoholics anonymous, you know. <laughs> I'm an <in> alignment. <laughs> <laughs> How would you alignment anonymous sort of that <laughs> and just talk about the problems and talk about the issues because it's all very practical. And if it's not practical, it's useless. Yes, So I, I a, you know, yeah, I, I get involved in well. writing theories and theories and testation um, and development all the time. But for me, a theory is useless if it doesn't work. Yes. And and yes. and most of the theories we have don't work, right. unfortunately. So <laughs> what we need to do is is get. Uh, Organize and then talk practicality, talk reality. Yes, yes. That's what it's all about. That's what assessment is all about. Yes. So you can have all the theory you like, but if your test doesn't work, it's
0: useless. Yes, absolutely. Well, that, that's a very good note to to finish on, Barry, I think, um, if your test doesn't work. And be practical and not to be sort of intimidated by the theory, because uh, that can um, sometimes be sort of people feel they they just don't know enough to engage with it, if you know what I mean, rather than just getting stuck in and yes. seeing what happens. Yeah. Well, like some of the to, recent yeah.
1: publications that I've done are uh, with Michelin, Chalab Debine. We did a book on validity a couple of years back, and we have a paper coming out fairly soon again on it. Yeah. And the whole point of all of this is that you know, we talk about the comprehensive learning system, but the comprehensive learning system doesn't exist in a vacuum, it, it exists in a, in a social and educational context. Of
0: course, it's yes. It's designed
1: by the people. And, and as If you were to say to me come in and create a curriculum or a test for x level or x module in ireland i couldn't do it i'd be useless i'd be very useful to have as an advisor to tell people how to do it but the expertise the local contextual expertise is critical it's as critical as my understanding of how you go about standard setting in fact it's probably more critical and people forget that they think okay, this test or this um, book has been validated or has been aligned for use in Germany. So it, it must be good for Ireland. It must be good. No, that is not the answer because you've got to put context into account. Absolutely. And, the, and people, I think, forget that they are experts on the context. So people right. come to right. it and think, oh, you're the guru. You know all about testing. Mm-hmm. I know this little bit about the, the corner of testing. You know the big bit about the context testing. The two have to work together to
0: work. Right, right. Yes, absolutely. absolutely And that's a great great point to make. Barry, thank you so much. I know you're you're dashing off to get a flight to the other side of the world somewhere. So yes, thank you. I have thank you so hour much. Hour and a
1: half. I'll be in the air. <laughs> making the
0: time to talk to us. And um And listen, have a safe trip and we'll talk to you.